Welcome back to the base where neither of us are officially doctors, but I guess we could argue being called doctors. We fit pretty well into this argument, right? JD? I mean, we have JD's Juris Doctorate. Does it count? I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, no. I wouldn't. I feel weird about being called a, a doctor. I feel like that's reserved for actual doctors, but not just medical doctors. PhDs are definitely doctors. Um, yeah, but don't well, like, that's the thing. It's like PhDs go through a lot more. I mean, not to say that JDs are easy, but PhDs go through a lot more than JDs do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, JDs just suck. Really, JDs should be two-year degrees anyway. But that's a different conversation. My third year I did absolutely nothing except waste money. It's fine. Hey, y'all, welcome back. I'm Fred here at the base. What am I? Political strategist, writer. Got that down pat. Megan Nyberg is our co-host, immigration attorney, political strategist. Jiu-Jitsu master, hot chocolate bomb maker. <laughs> That's only recent, and I'm certainly not a master at either one. Yeah. Although crazy cat lady also applies. Crazy and cat lady. The cat walking through <laughs> for that intro. That was great. Oh, welcome back. Um, Christmas is in what, a week? Well, Christmas Eve is a week. Yeah, about a week, whatever. Depending on my English. Merry Hello. Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Um, what other holidays are around this time? I'm trying to get better oh, at understanding. There's so many. Uh, there's so many. I think somebody said there's like 14 holidays in the last six weeks of the year. So oh, wow. It's like everyone, yeah. no matter what part of the world you come from, what you believe in, was like, you know what? The last two weeks of the year, we Except ain't doing Muslim. nothing. Oh, yeah, that's true. Except that's Muslim. True. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. well, it could be, but not this year because Eid moves, but mm, yeah, that's fair. Thanks for checking my uh, limited knowledge there. Well, I think <laughs> well, that, that is literally the extent of my knowledge of so, because <laughs> I have an absolutely amazing friend who puts on a huge um, party every year. So that is something that I will always mark my calendars for. So I will always know when that happens. Yeah. Now we'll have to do some more, at least I have to do some more research, trying to get better acquainted with things of other cultures in the world. Everything is just so American centric. Anyway, different conversation. Um, there was and some guy. <laughs> yes, fair, fair. Not even American, just, yeah. And we can go down the world. Because really, Native culture is American culture because they were here first. But and the fact go. that we still call them Indians because some white guy thought he landed in India. Anyway, um, different conversation. Teach your kids the truth. Uh, some guy, it had to be a guy because no way a woman would do this, um, wrote some column about uh jill biden being arrogant and some other things because she uh, and not a real doctor not a real doctor because she uh, insisted people call her by her rightfully earned title dr jill biden i think i just gave away how i feel about the whole thing right there um but seeing as someone with all the renaissance titles that you have uh <laughs> you know it's probably better that you uh let us know just what's yeah. really going on here I mean, the thing is, is, you know, it's, it's just such a microcosm for what women go through every day and to be minimized, to be looked down upon, regardless of whether we have the same degree or not, it's just, it's so incredibly infuriating and it's kind of nice to see it come out on the national scale. I mean, I'm sorry for Dr. Biden that she's the, the subject of this, but it's nice to see it come out on the national scale. Um, because what I've seen among friends groups is there are certain women who've dropped the doctor title because they oh, wow. just didn't want to argue about it, didn't want to deal with it. And they're like, well, screw it. I'm putting it back in there now. 
And I think that that's, you know, I think that's great uh, that they're getting a sense of empowerment from, you know, what has happened on the national scale. But I've also seen the other side of it. There's, you know, one, <laughs> at least, I should say at least one um, politician in Maryland who say his name posted a her name. Oh, sorry. Um, and I can't because it's it's a name that I will just absolutely mm. butcher. But needless to say, she's in the Maryland State House and posted up on her, you know, candidate elected official page, whatever you want to call it on Facebook, basically a I don't know, a dissection of Dr. Biden's dissertation and why her dis oh yeah oh yeah um and why her dissertation wasn't and shouldn't have been enough don't we have academic rigors to show that you know anybody could get a doctor at this point and i frankly what? could only read it. why do you have I that much time read- anyway but <laughs> Well, and I could only read a couple of lines before getting absolutely disgusted and, and moving away. But the, the the point that I did see in those couple of lines was a typo. Um, so okay. instead of underserved, it was undeserved. Oh. I mean, like, come on, lady. You've never made a typo in your entire life. Like, this is what it, yeah. First of all, A, why do you have this kind of time? <laughs> B, why are you tearing down another woman? You know, like for real, come on, we don't have enough problems. You're going to be piling on and looking at her dissertation, which, you know, I don't even know how many years ago that was written, but regardless, like, come on, you know, this is not for, you know, I'm sure there are all sorts of dissertations out there where I would be like, really, this is, this is what you got a doctorate on? Like, that seems kind of bizarre, but it's not for me to judge. And it's not for me to backdoor, you know, second string quarterback come in and try and run the game here where you know people who are tops of their fields leaders in academia have decided it is enough you know or at least was enough at the time that she put it in i mean this is it's just so petty and it just illustrates what women go through on a regular basis even from other women you know and I've seen a, you know, I've seen it go both ways this, you know, for the, for what I'm about to say as well, but, you know, we need to support those women and a sport, especially supporting women of color, but women in general need to support other people. I mean, I will have to say the most problems I've had, like the discrimination I faced Mm. have been by women. The problem in workplaces have been with women and, you know, we talk about shine theory and adjust, you know, adjust her crown, you know, so that nobody can see all of those things. It, it doesn't stop at, you know, your sister or your best friend or, you know, it, it needs to transcend that. And, you know, fixing the crown means pulling her aside, you know, privately and saying, hey, I think you messed up there. Like, can we fix this together? You know, or, hey, can I give you this opportunity so that you can save face on your own and it's not giving everybody else a reason to tear us back down again. You know, so it's not calling out typos on a Facebook post. It's contacting the the author to say, hey, I think you got a typo here. You might want to go back. Yeah. I mean, it's just, 
this is one of the things that just really gets me fired up. Uh, I mean, Fred, you know, I've been working in like women's rights stuff since I was in college, which is a lot of, a lot of years, decades, even. When did you graduate? Um, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> women's rights yeah, or human rights? Were you in college when that was said? You're not that old. I'm not that old. Okay. But I mean, you know, I mean, but the fact that I've had to continuously advocate for women, advocate for women's rights for yeah. 20 years. And I will put that number on it, which is <laughs> probably a low number, but um, yeah, but that's the same decades, right? I mean, the same stuff is still coming on and we still, you know, we see these things come into national consciousness. And I do hope that this also spurs a, converse, a larger conversation. We saw that come through with the Me Too movement where, mm. you know, there was kind of this flash where everybody was interested in lots of things happened and then we've all kind of backed off from it, hmm. you know, like let's, let's actually continue this. Let's actually continue to move it forward. Um, you know, and again, I've seen people, you know, speaking of me too, I've seen women supporting men accused of sexual harassment or sexual assault. There was, you know, you mentioned earlier jujitsu. There was a recently a jujitsu practitioner who was, you know, who had criminal charges brought against them. I think, I think that's what happened, at least in the court of public opinion. There's a video, there's a flippant video and there's a woman supporting him. Oh, we don't know what really happened. Yes, yes, we do. There's a video. You can see it. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure it isn't like, you know, cinematography, you know, wonderance or anything like that, but you can see what's happening. And this whole internalized misogyny, the whole, you know, protect my fiefdom, you know, if I'm here, that means there's no room for any other women kind of mentality. I mean, it just, it just doesn't have to work that way. Yeah. Um, anyway, you go off on the rants. This is my rant for the morning. No, no, no. I love it. Yeah. yeah I need a break from rants every once. It's December. I'm taking a sabbatical from rants. How about that? Oh, uh, what is shine theory? Please enlighten me. I'm not, I've never heard of that one. Well, shine theory, um, I'm probably going to butcher what it actually is, but in my mind, at least what it is, is, you know, we each have a light and we want to make sure that that light shines and make sure that everybody else's light shines. So, e so your light can shine without mind dimming. Mm. So letting everybody shine. That's at least that's my you know, I don't know if that's the official explanation, but that's my, you know, the way that I have it in my head, my explanation. Fair. fair. So it's, it's basically promotion of others, right? It's lifting other people up and lifting somebody else up does not mean that you're pushing yourself down. Yeah. You know, I think that is right now one of the bigger, if not the greatest challenges that we have in America is this hyper-individualism spurred by 60, 70 years of just the government being painted as this, you know, radical, ridiculous thing that's gotten too out of control. And thus we need people to focus more on individualism rather than collective community, you being the master of your own fate, even though we know that doesn't really work for most of the population. And like, I think most things we talk about, like stem from that just sort of very selfish and self-centered mentality. Like even the whole thing about Dr. Biden's not being a real doctor. It's just like, what joy, what efficacy do you get out of writing something? Like somebody took some time to sit down 
and like write that, you know, and I'm just like, at a time right now where you can write so many other things, you know, we got a pandemic, we got half the country who still believes that the outgoing president, you know, won somehow. So they're disillusioned in their own right. Like that is what you thought was worthwhile to sit down and write out. It's just kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I, I saw a t- tweet the other day that said, uh, you know, this country is ungovernable. And I don't I don't know if I'd go that far, but I think like it shows you the depths of what we have to deal with and things we have to address from a cultural standpoint before we can even get into real policy. Because like someone and I bet was that lawmaker who did that critique, were they a Democrat? No. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me though if they were. Um no, she happens to be the minority whip in the Maryland House. Oh. Is that, sh- never mind, Schlega? However you want to say her name. Her yeah, first yeah, name yeah, is yeah. Kathy. I yeah, can say yeah, that yeah. without mispronouncing. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Kathy. Um, <laughs> or, you know what? No, I mean, what, delegate Schlega? <laughs> oh, it's a joke, yo. Chill out. Anyway, um, <laughs> Dr. Biden can call herself whatever she wants. And if she wants you to call her Dr. Biden, you should call her Dr. Biden because she has a PhD. If you got a problem with that, go take a horse and ride out to a cliff in Wyoming. Um, that's a little strong, but anyway, uh, protect women and let women be who and what they want to be, call them by their names and the accomplishments that they've had. I don't feel qualified to add anything more to that than you. So, uh, we're gonna <laughs> move on slowly to um, big tech and how it's ruining our entire society. Not too long ago, I think the federal government, FTC, and 46 states unveiled uh, a tandem lawsuit against Facebook. Um, alleging a variety of things, uh, most notably is that they work, um, they have worked intentionally to uh, buy up competition, which is just to give a little bit of an overview, not an expert in this area, but, you know, Facebook's acquisition of like Instagram, WhatsApp, um, and Vine, for example, um, there's a difference between merging and buying competitors in an effort to uh, sort of combine resources to put together a better product. Uh, the FTC has uh, found uh, hundreds, I think even thousands of emails um, that signal that Facebook's acquisition of these other companies um, was done incredibly nefariously, um, that they threatened to you know, block people from their platform, uh, other companies, uh, if they wouldn't sell uh, or comply with some of Facebook and Zuckerberg's requests, so on and so forth. Uh, biggest instance of that, obviously, like I mentioned, Instagram uh, and WhatsApp, uh, and then also their data collection practices, um, which they continue to be under fire for. Uh, currently, the European Union has an effort going that would find Facebook and other tech companies, Amazon, um, the, uh, Google's parent company, Alphabet, uh, TripAdvisor, so on and so forth, 6% of global revenue um, if they don't comply uh, with data collection uh, regulations and so on and so forth. Uh, I've long been a fan of breaking up big tech. Uh, I think Facebook, I think we live in the United States of Facebook, Google, and Amazon. Um, I think that has very troubling outlooks for the societal fabric and structure of America in the next 10 to 15 years. And then also economically in the next 10 to 15 years, if we don't change that. Uh, Amazon recently uh, announced that they were starting a pharmacy. Um, If it doesn't scare you that one company knows everything that you buy, uh, everything that you watch, and then everything that you eat via Whole Foods and then everything that you take from a medication perspective, uh, I'm not going to try to explain this to you because then there's just... um, 
you know, just a disconnect there. Um, no, but moving, moving on from that is, you know, like, oh, why does it even matter? You could just not use Facebook. You could just, and I, I mean, which is my, my original thought was like, who cares? Like it's Facebook, whatever. But I think you have to also remember that a, it's not just about, you know, <laughs> being able to connect with people, which is, you know, the main way that a lot of people use social media is to connect with friends and family, especially when we're all, you know, on lockdown, you know, not spending time in person, but also remember that it's a control of information. You know, where do you get your news? There's a really high percentage of Americans now that get their news from, from social media. So you're only getting your news because of what I'm posting, what articles I'm posting, you know, that kind of thing, even in the last segment, right. The, the reason that I know that this random lawmaker who I don't generally follow, you know, put this dissertation up about, you know, Dr. Biden's dissertation was because a friend of mine commented on it. So Facebook put it in my newsfeed. So now it became news to me. You know, that's a control of information. And especially if we look back to 2016, looking at what actually happened with the dis disinformation campaign and how it actually affected our literal election and literally who was running this country, you know, that's, you know, that's more of a reason that then we should care besides like, oh yeah, you know, we could opt out. We could just not, you know, we could shop local. Let's forget that, you know, Walmart and Amazon have destroyed local shops. And that's very difficult, especially, well, yeah. especially <laughs> in some locations, you know, but you know, you're privileged enough to have small shops and you have the resources available to be able to pay the higher shops you know, the higher prices at those shops. Okay, fine. But, you know, it's actually changing the fabric of our how we get news and how our elections work and things like that. Yeah, I mean, we saw that in 16. I think we even saw it this past year with huge misinformation campaigns amongst Latinx voters, um, especially along the Rio Grande, South Florida, and some other areas, particularly the targeted, um, you know, different demographics from some South American countries, Cuba, um, Colombia, Venezuela, Cuba, Central America, I think. But anyway, um, I think President Obama in his most recent book or an interview for his most recent book when he was promoting it, whatever, um, made a comment that the internet is the biggest threat to democracy. Um, and I think it is. I mean, and I've long sort of argued this. And I think one of the issues that comes about is, you know, 40, 50 years, everybody got their news from three or four people. You know, you watched Walker Cronkite, you watched David Brinkley, Edmund Murrow, whoever. Um, there was a sense of like, all right, these are at least facts, right? We're still going to debate politics. You still got people on different sides, but you knew at least from these four or five, you know, guys, unfortunately, um, <laughs> that, uh, that these were at least facts, right? And you couldn't really dispute these things. And you can argue that like, that was the reason we were able to get rid of McCarthyism. That was one of the big reasons the Vietnam War finally ended. That was the main driving force, I think, behind Nixon's resignation, behind Spiro Agnew getting pushed out of office prior to him being president of the United States. You can go on and on and on. And um, the disintegration of that uh, and what has replaced that in vacuums, I think, is even more troubling because now it's not even like it was in the 90s, early 2000s, where it was Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC. I mean, those those companies are really honestly being replaced, especially on the right with the OAN, InfoWars. I mean, there are people who legitimately watch InfoWars and One American News, and they have replaced that. You know, 10 years ago, they watched Fox News all day. 
now they watch OAN and InfoWars all day. And, and honestly, I was naive to this as well. I thought when people said that, it was like, oh, that's not true. Now, I, I've got friends who like, no, my parents legitimately watch Fox News all day. Like it stays, uh, I mean, they, you know, they'll work, they'll cook, whatever, have people over, but Fox News legitimately stays on their television the entire day. Like that is more common than we know. And that's being replaced with these fringe networks who, you know, endorse Proud Boys and, you know, say that the Clintons and the Bidens are not even endorsed, but like soften, right? Oh, Proud Boys aren't so bad. You know, they're being called a, a hate group. They're not. They give out meals to children. I don't know. I'm making stuff up. You know, whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I'm sure that there are some members of some hate organizations that also do some sort of charitable work or yeah, you know, whatever else you want to call it. But that does not mean the organization and what it is founded upon is anything other than a hate organization. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. And the other thing I think with, with Facebook and some of these other things is as a person who runs uh, multiple businesses, it is really hard to run a business without being on Facebook. Anyone who knows me knows I hate Facebook. I had deactivated my account for years. I would log back on when I had a candidate for a campaign in about August or September. And on November 5th or 6th, I would deactivate it again. Um, now I'm consistently on it because I've got content and other products I'm trying to push. But like, that's the problem. I don't want to be on this platform because I know how dangerous and nefarious they are. I know they uh, intentionally continue to spew and spread misinformation. And then the, the last part I noticed also is that Facebook very much so controls what gets amplified on their platform and what does not. Uh, and I try to tell people this over and over again. It's like, that's why you see, you know, so many likes and so many engagements on a post that's about you know, somebody's relationship status, or you can put any sort of divisive political thing up. It can be one sentence. Everybody will see it and they'll engage with it. Whereas if you put, you know, I've, I've had plenty of times, for example, when I used to, uh, if I'm trying to promote my book, if I put a link in my status, Facebook suppresses that. They want me to have to pay to have that post seen by more people. That's not the only thing, but there are a variety of other examples. They are in direct control of not just sort of news sources and information, but just information from other people and what you personally see from folks that you know. Um, it, it's very Orwellianish. It's well, very 1984-ish. Well, it's, it's, they're also suppressing what can be put up. So, you know, in my other role as immigration attorney, we have real problems advertising because mm -hmm. anything with the word immigration in it, Facebook won't allow through. So you have to go through whatever their, I don't know, enhanced process, whatever, whatever is to be able to post as a special entity, and they don't let you do it. But Ben Shapiro can so, do whatever he wants. <laughs> well, there are certain, there are a lot of people who can put up whatever they want. We're, we're all just like, why? Right. But, you know, it's, there's a suppression going on of legitimate business even mm -hmm. because they're using certain buzzwords or keywords that Facebook has you know, has identified and, and, and I don't know why that's a particular, you know, word that's been identified. Maybe it's because they saw that a lot of people were being anti-immigrant and it's actually from a good reason. I don't know. Doubt it. But I can tell you, well, you know, you don't know. It, it could be. Never give Facebook Stranger the benefit of the doubt. Right. 
Stranger things in life have happened, but you know, the point is still made. Whatever the reason is, nefarious or not, you're suppressing the ability of nonprofits. You're suppressing the ability of other attorneys who are providing services um, because it's not just private attorneys that this has happened to. You know, I sit on the board of a local immigration nonprofit and they couldn't advertise their recent um, webinar because it kept triggering all these silly keywords. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's been really, it's really difficult to deal with and you can't get away from dealing with it. Yeah. I mean, where, where else can you advertise right now? I mean, obviously you've got email marketing and some other things, but like if you're a startup or you're not an established business, like Facebook is kind of essential to getting the word out. And I think we all hate that that's the case, but there are so many people on it. There's so many people who use the tool. I mean, I can't think of anything else that the amount of people use that or interact with that, if that makes sense. Well, and it's one of the reasons is, you know, why do we have Facebook and not MySpace? It's because it's an easy platform to use. And it's something that really works for people, despite, you know, whatever complaints we may have individually about how it, you know, how it targets or, you know, whatever else. I mean, it works. And it's fairly low cost, you know, running you know, a TV advertisement, you know, in days of yore was a lot more expensive than putting up a Facebook ad. You know, it's, it's something that is, is restrictive. Yeah. You know, in what you can do with it. Yeah. So Facebook's trash. Um, <laughs> Amazon's trash. Google's trash. Um, you know, I, I actually, I don't, I'm trying to encourage people when Google went out earlier this week, I'm like, you know, I hope you all recognize how reliant you are on one platform in your business and how maybe you should rethink how everything is on the drive. Different conversation. I mean, there are multi-billion dollar companies who have everything on Google Drive, which the thought drives me crazy. But anyway, um, it really just showed you how reliant we are on three or four companies. And, you know, again, I'm not opposed to, you know, free market capitalism. People are always like, oh, capitalism has to go. I don't think capitalism was going anywhere in my lifetime or my kid's lifetime. People think this argument is new. And it's like, no, people have been railing against capitalism since capitalism existed. There's a huge push for change in our capitalistic society in the 1920s. You see how that went. Um, Like, I think folks think all these arguments and things we're fighting for are new. And it's like, if you have some historical context, then you realize what you actually have a chance of changing and what you don't. So I'm very much so, I don't know if I'm a fan of capitalism per se. I am a fan of like, regulated capitalism. Right now we have unfettered capitalism, right? And Facebook being able to um, suppress very legitimate posts, legitimate advertising, um, having so much control over what gets amplified on the platform. I think that's unfettered. That should change. I think Amazon starting a pharmacy uh, should scare everyone. I think that's, I think that's unfettered. I think Google uh, having, being able to really type in anybody's name and see what they've searched on Google, literally everything since 2008. Um, I think that's unfettered and I think that should change. I think the Obama administration and the DOJ uh, missed a very legitimate and perfect opportunity to do some of these things, different conversation. And we should have a much larger conversation around reflecting on the Obama years later. So you're, you're, so you're moving over to DuckDuckGo then? Yeah, I've been on DuckDuckGo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You use it too? No. <laughs> Oh. I think it's just another flavor of the same ice cream. Like, no, nah, you think know, so. I, uh, I mean, but I have several VPNs and, you know, so I mean, there are ways to save, to protect your data and have it encrypted. And, 
you know, I, I also have a lot of military people close to me too. So they, you know, drop some spills and stuff that I won't share on the podcast for fear of, you know, having somebody else monitor my stuff. But <laughs> anyway, that's, uh, that's big tech. Any, any closing thoughts on that? No, I just, I actually wonder if that's maybe what has either led to or at least accelerated what we saw that started, I guess, in the 90s and the fracturing of relations between parties and the ability to work together. And I wonder if, you know, even coming through this this conversation in the last couple minutes, whether, you know, we should be blaming that on social media sure. and people being in echo, echo chambers. 100%. And on top of that, none of these companies exist, in my opinion, if the federal government doesn't step in and break up Microsoft in the mid-90s either. Microsoft would be Google, Facebook, and Amazon combined. Um, and, you know, it's cool, but if you did it then, aren't you doing it now? Especially in a day and age where so much lives on the cloud. Anyway, we can go on and on. Um, one final segment for the year. 2020 is almost over. The longest and yet fastest year ever. Um, this year sucked. I don't, you know, I'm sure there were things you, everybody could pull out of it that were like good and silver linings, but just for me, you know, I'm not going to sure cult 2020, 2020 for it will forever be a trash year for a variety of reasons. Um, so what I'm looking for, my political Christmas wish um, is for, and I can't even believe I'm saying this is a Christmas list, a wish, because it's absolutely ridiculous. $1,200 stimulus checks to everyone. No, well, yeah, New Year's wish. Um I think the current proposals say $600 stimulus checks to those making 75,000 and under, and then 99 and under get a portion of that, which what are you going to do? Send me a $300 check. Um, and then if you make over 99,000, you're not getting anything. Uh, we got $1,200, what, nine months is it, ago? Wait, is it, but is it, is it still based on what you used to be making? Because wasn't it based on like your 2019 tax return? So if yeah. you lost your job in 2020, it's like too bad. Yeah, I think it is still going to be based on 19, 2019 tax returns. So $600, yeah. So the government collectively will have given its citizens $1,800 over the span of, what, nine, 10 months um, for a pandemic. America is a failed state. That's my political wish, political Christmas wish. What's your spec? <laughs> it's for people to get some money. <laughs> um <laughs> I guess I'm going to go more on the proactive, longer term than $600 um, New Year's wish here. And to say that a, I guess, a widespread acceptance of receiving the vaccine, a wise, widespread um, commitment to getting the vaccine, continued innovation on vaccines to make them more effective, um, less side effects, all of those good things so that we can all return back to real life and not have to worry about pandemic stimulus packages. Yeah, that's good. Then we can just worry about not having healthcare and DC not being a state and all that good stuff. Baby steps though, right? No, I mean, I'm legitimately. Yeah, I mean, little things. No, little legitimately. Things. I, I'm not joking there. Pandemic like is definitely priority number one. So don't, don't like nobody attack me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's been a crazy year. Um, but it's been a lot of good things have come out of it. This podcast came out of it, which is dope. We've got like maybe 20 listeners consistently. So bless you all. Woohoo! 
Well, shout out to Brian and John, my 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 guys from high school who are hey, big fans. Thank you, Brian and John. We appreciate you. You all are wonderful. Um, we're going to take the rest of the year off, but we will be back in 2021. I think we're going to need this time off because next year is just going to be wild. We've got a new administration coming in, a lot of stuff to talk about, breakdown. People to judge going to be director of what? Department of Transportation. That's not the name. I forget what it's called. But um, anyway, it's going to be a fun year. Hopefully. We'll see. What are your expectations for the Biden-Harris administration in like one minute? One minute? Um, I mean, there's so much. I know. That's why I was like, what would you condense it? Go. Right. I mean, I would love to see sweeping change, sweeping, you know, um, amelioration of certain conditions. But at the end of the day, I would like to just see the dumpster fire of this administration put out and then we can worry about rebuilding. Amen. Uh, lastly, we probably will not have a show a new show before the Georgia special runoff. Who wins? I don't know. After the record turnouts, it's looking good for double blue. Yeah. I'm going to hop out on a limb here. At first, I thought Warnock would win and Ossoff would lose. I think they're both going to squeeze it out. And it's yeah, you were one and one before. Now you're you're two and oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with more people showing up on the first day of early voting than they said, what, for all of the, the regular election? I mean, that's that's a great start. And it's all about turnout. It's all about motivating turnout, young people turning out, you know, people who have been marginalized and don't feel like their voice has had much of an impact now mm-hmm. feeling like they do. I think that's great. And that bodes really well for both seats going blue. Yeah, and I think the national narrative is like, oh, it's a runoff. There hasn't been as much attention on it. No, 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 no. You all are just in your L.A., New York, D.C. bubbles. There's a lot of political activity. There's no attention? Not attention, but people aren't as engaged or fired up within the state to turn out like they were for the presidential election. I have heard that narrative from some national correspondents or pundits, and I'm just like, I'm I'm a Georgia voter. I spend a lot of time there. That is not true. Georgians know what's at stake. They are, you know, fired up. People are more like civically engaged and aware of like what the Senate means than I think they've ever been before. That's the work of a lot of people, you know, those smaller organizations, Black Voters Matter, whatever. Um, I'm just not buying into that. This is going to be a close race regardless. People are turning out. The history of Georgia runoffs, it doesn't matter. (laughs) A Democrat hadn't won Georgia at the presidency level since 92. So the history of runoffs is irrelevant at this point. Um, I think it'll get both of them. I think Warnock will outpace Ossoff, I could see Warnock at like a 54, to be honest. I think people have cooled on Leffler. I think moderate Republicans have even cooled on Leffler. Like, she's just a little bit out there. Purdue gets it. Purdue's corrupt. He gets a little bit of more of a break, one, as an elected incumbent, and two, as a male. Um, that's why I think his race will be a little bit closer. Um, I'm, I'm bullish on Warnock. I will put money on Warnock now. I will put like yeah. a, a small amount of money on Ossoff, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, would love to be. I'll take it. Right on. But yeah, I mean, what I've heard is, you know, people in Georgia were like, if you're not from Georgia, please stop. Yes, like, stop leave coming us here. Alone. Thank got, you. Right. <laughs> stop, you know, flooding, flooding everybody, you know, and, you know, it, I, I'm sorry that we have tried to step in on, you know, the Georgian toes or whatever, but it's great that, you know, there is such an organization that has been built up and so many people have you know, been able to to find their voice where they felt like it didn't matter for so long. That's a great way to close the year. Becca, thanks. 
happy 2020. That's right. Let's close it out with a little hope. <laughs> happy New Year, everyone. Season's greetings. Happy holidays. We'll see you next year on the base. Thanks.